welcome to mini episode 55 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? Before we start this week's episode, I just wanted to let everybody know that the last story on today's episode was sent in on May the 2nd, 2020. And we also have a promo for you this week. Our promo is Haunted AF. Haunted AF is a podcast featuring real-life ghost stories told by the people who experienced them. And I was on an episode of Haunted AF recently. So you were. I was on a audio episode and also on one of their YouTube episodes. So if you want to go check them out, please do. I'm going to play their promo now. Hi, and welcome to Haunted AF, the podcast of real ghost stories told by real people. We are your hosts. I'm Julie Fisk. And I'm Rebecca Black. Join us each Thursday as we share the terrifying tales people have sent to us from all over the world. She started saying, I don't want to go upstairs because of the ghosts. The ghosts are up there. Ghosts and goblins. Bigfoot and UFOs, doppelgangers and those tricky glitches in the Matrix. We've got them all. And there is this figure on the opposite side of the tent. It was a dude with long hair. Sometimes we even like to share ghost stories that end up being pretty funny, like the ghost that would scream, hey, in the middle of the night. Yeah, or that one that liked to tickle unsuspecting armpits. We even post companion blogs on our website, hauntedaf.com, so you can see all the creepy photos and videos we talk about on the podcast. I hear my sister on the top phone say, Ashley, you could see pieces of her hair being twirled in thin air. And just so you know, you can actually listen on our website, hauntedaf.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Really, it's wherever you like to listen to your podcast. The DJ was taking call after call and people were talking about seeing this green thing in the sky. And please follow Haunted AF on social media because we're always sharing scary stuff on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even TikTok. And once you've listened to the show and gotten properly freaked out, then you have to send your scary stories to hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com so we can share them all on the next Haunted AF. So that was Haunted AF. And our first story today comes from Jessica. This happened when I was in middle school with my two best friends. We were all staying over at my friend's house, which was a townhouse in a beach city in Southern California. Not very old, but who knows? She had told us multiple times before that she thought her room was haunted. She had this giant teddy bear she claimed would move around her room and we would always try and scare each other and see who fell for it. On this night we had been doing our usual stupid shit and it was getting late so we calmed down and put on Aladdin. I fell asleep during the movie and woke up to my girlfriends screaming and I looked over and the stupid R&B version of A Whole New World was still playing during the credits, so I figured they were just being mean and decided to scare me awake because I fell asleep during the movie. So I asked them, what, did they see a ghost? They proceeded to tell me that when the credits had started rolling, the screen went black, and this white face appeared on the screen and scared them. I still thought they were full of shit and just being mean, like teenagers do, but they said they didn't want to stay in the room to sleep and that we should move downstairs to the living room. So we did. We went downstairs and made up a bed on the floor. They kept saying they were freaked out and we should put something funny on the TV. As all of this was going on, we started to hear footsteps running across the ceiling. Her room was above us. It happened a few times. It sounded like a child's footsteps running around her room. We were just quiet and staring at each other. We all heard it. 
All of a sudden, her mum comes out of her room, and we could hear her walk on the landing and start to yell at us to stop messing around in her room and go asleep. The footsteps stop. She realises we're not in the room and rushes downstairs to find us staring at her. She said that she was surprised we were downstairs, and we were being so loud she thought we were in the room. We tried telling her it wasn't us and she just shrugged it off and went back to bed. We were all horrified, but we turned on the TV to something just for background noise and talked each other down. When we'd finally calmed down, it had been at least an hour and a half since anything had happened and we were getting tired and starting to fall asleep, so we turned off the TV. I was almost asleep or I was in a drifty, sleepy state at this point but I could tell both of my friends had finally fallen asleep next to me. But I could hear someone in the kitchen turning the sink on and off. I got scared again and shook my friend awake and told her I could hear the sink in her kitchen. She was obviously drowsy but was listening and the noise of running water was still there but faint like a trickle, like someone hadn't turned the faucet all completely. She acknowledged the noise and said it was the sink and it was always like that. Then she put her head back down and went back to sleep. Her assurance didn't help, and I cuddled up close to her, pulled the blanket over my head and forced myself to go asleep. I never had an experience like that again in her house, and can only remember talking about what happened with them one more time after that, the next slumber party we had the next weekend. I brought up the sink again and she kind of remembered that part happening, but wasn't sure if she had dreamt it, and I reminded her that she told me it was a leaky faucet. She said that was true. But actually, now that she thought about it, the faucet had been fixed a few months previously and shouldn't still have been leaking. I feel like if that had happened on the first slumber party, I would have been politely declining the invitation to the second one. There's no way you'd get me going back. I I also feel like it's, it's perfectly reasonable of Jessica, I think, to presume that it was her friends waking her up because she'd fallen asleep during a movie, like just giving her a joke by the screaming. Oh, definitely. Like how many slumber parties or sleepovers did you go on when you were a young person and you spent the whole night trying to freak each other out? That is normal teenage behaviour. Yeah. For real. And I always used to fall asleep in the movies at slumber parties, always. That's why I used to position myself at the front in my sleeping bag so that everybody could see me. Didn't really make sense, but it But worked. in your head at the time, it made yeah. sense. So I, I feel Jessica's pain there, but clearly... There's something creepy going on there. The footsteps and the leaky faucet. Hmm. And the idea of like the mother getting up and saying, oh my God, stop running around. Like yeah. get into bed, you're annoying me. And then they're just downstairs, wide eyed, going, it's not us, we swear. Yep. Yeah. Mm. There's something going on there, isn't there? I definitely wouldn't be going back for a second sleepover. Interesting that they only experienced it once. Yeah. And not and not again. Like, I don't know, I don't know what that means, if that means anything. But uh, I do sometimes wonder with, you know, when you see paranormal investigations and stuff and they go to different places and nothing happens, which I think is the majority of paranormal investigations, which makes sense because it just because you're there doesn't mean that stuff is going to happen. Yeah, just because you're there doesn't mean the ghosts are. They might be out on the day trip or something. So they might be very busy. Yeah, doing other things. They've got more important things to do than spook you right now. And story number two comes from Riley. My friends and I were hanging out and there were six people staying together at my friend's house. My friend and I were the only boys so we had our own tent away from the girls. 
The first time I stay at someone's house, I always stay up a while and wake up early so I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of sleep. We all stayed up until around 11.30 and then we went to bed. Me and the other guy in my tent went to bed quickly and he slept like a baby, but I was another story. I wasn't scared, but at around one o'clock I woke up frightened, not knowing why. And then the horses and goats started stirring and getting riled up. And then I heard a dull, rhythmic whistle. And then he appeared. A man walking around my tent. I was up for about five minutes before, and I was moving around in the tent, so it wasn't sleep paralysis. He was tall and bulky. He had stringy, oily hair, a big shovel and a cowboy hat. As soon as I saw him, he disappeared. And I still haven't told anyone about it. He sounds like some kind of undead creature from the Wild West. Which is pretty incredible. It's almost like something you'd see in one of those video games that you play where you have like a whole world and you meet all these different characters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's actually a killer on Dead by Daylight, actually. Or I'm fairly (laughs) sure he has a side quest for you. Yeah, absolutely. I am not here for this story at all. It would scare the bejeebas out of me being asleep, waking up, moving around a little bit and then hearing a whistle because we all know about the whistler and how scary that story is and then having someone dragging a shovel around the outside. I would think this is this man is going to murder me and bury me. That is genuinely what I would think. I don't know how. I mean, fair play to the guy for not screaming down the house, like screaming down the whole of the campsite. I'd be hollering blue murder. Oh, I would be too. And 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 knowing my luck, it would be some innocent person that just happened to be out on the land, maybe like a night shepherd or something. And then I'd be there screaming that I was going to be murdered like a big drama queen. No, my luck, it would be one of the cows and I'd just misinterpreted the shadow. Yes. Hmm. Yes, and be ridiculed then for the rest of your life. Yep, I'd be called cowboy. (laughs) Would you believe I was literally just about to say the same thing? (laughs) But cowboy is a thing, so maybe I wouldn't. And story number three comes from George. So I've always had a sense that there is something surrounding our family name. Our family history is a bit of a big one. In our local village of Boxmoor, we've always been well known. The Mansbridge name has always been known for many generations, As we had a family bakery business, our main shop and original shop had been in the family since 1885. We also had farms as well. Growing up with a bakery next door to your house meant two things. One, I got fat quickly, obviously. And two, I was in the bakery from an incredibly young age. The bakery was always even to this day a building that has made me feel uneasy. There were eight sections. There was the shop, the sandwich room, the dough section, where there was an oven that was only turned off two or three times since 1885. A flower loft, a walkway and a cake decorating room, the old cake decorating room and the old office, which I turned into a garage, which I use most days now, but of course it's right at the end of the bakery. When the bakery was actually open and operational, my dad would always say things would move. And to this day, things still do in certain rooms. You'll put something on the table in one room and come back a day or two later and it'll be on the floor or in another room completely. That has never particularly bothered me, but anytime you walk through the bakery, it constantly feels like you're being watched. The only way I can walk through the building is head down and don't stop, particularly going through the walkway into the cake decorating room and under the hatch and into the flower loft. 
However, I've always felt like there is a friendly thing watching. I personally believe it's my granddad. I never got to meet him, but my mother is adamant that the two of us would have been inseparable, as we both have the same type of humour, and he loved to not only take the piss out of people, but to pull pranks, which is partially why I think the moving of things doesn't annoy me, because subconsciously, I feel like it's him messing around. Well, that's what I hope at least. There is something, though, to this day that has always just terrified me. The flower loft. The flower loft in itself has had a history. Before I was born, there was an unexplained fire in the flower loft. My dad told me that they evacuated the whole street, as when flower catches fire, because of the air or something, it has a tendency to explode. They never found out why or how the room just mysteriously went ablaze in the middle of the night. That room is where I've had my bad experiences. For some reason, when I go in that room, I always feel on edge, like on the verge of a panic attack because I always thought, felt, and still believe there is something in that room. In that room, I have been nudged, pushed, and felt like a breathing in my ear. It's safe to say that it is a room that I refuse to go in by myself. The reason I refused to go into that room is at a younger age my brothers thought it was funny to lock me in there in the dark, as the room has no windows, only a door and a small hatch to put the flower through. In this room, on that day, I swear to God, in the far corner of the room, up in the corner bordering the roof, I saw a face. A face that I can still describe now. A face which when researching into our family and finding old pictures I have not been able to find. The face seemed to have a blank and lifeless expression, but a seemingly angry expression at the same time. In the pitch black I could see light grey-like skin and pure black eyes. Pure black eyes with two white dots in the centre. At that age I hoped it wouldn't follow me, but as I moved in the room, the eyes followed me wherever I went. I remember screaming my head off, which was when my brothers let me out and called me names. But this isn't the only time that I've seen that face. I saw that same face a few years back when the bakery closed and we were cleaning out old rubbish left there. I looked up into the hatch from the door room. And the face was there, looking back at me through the hatch surrounded by the pitch black room above. I didn't even scream, I just started to sweat. Since then I've never looked into that hatch for fear I was going to see it again. In the bakery when I'm working in my garage, there are constantly bangs and crashes. Occasionally if you knock, whatever it is will knock back. And on one occasion I was getting annoyed with the noises and I opened the door and I shouted, Shut the fuck up you twat! The noises stopped for the day. I've no reason as to why, but they did. I've tried to actually communicate with whatever is there, but no. No matter where you are in the building, you cannot find the banging. There are no cupboards, no doors left unlatched. So there's nothing that can possibly be banging about like it does. But in my garage, I feel safe. Safe with the feeling that what I hope is my granddad is just keeping an eye, making sure I'm okay. The other experience I have was at my nan and granddad's. They have a cottage in Kings Lynn in Norfolk, or as my nan likes to call it, Nelson's County. Their cottage is very pretty, 
with doors low enough that if you're not careful, you can give yourself what feels like blunt force trauma. In what I want to say was around 2008, they bought the cottage when the owner passed away. My nan told me a few years ago that the old owner, Snowy, had passed away in the house in bed. When I asked about Snowy, my nan told me that he was a sweet and kind old man that kept to himself. They knocked through the wall into the other cottage and then the cottage became four rooms upstairs, two small downstairs and a large kitchen and dining room because my nan likes to cook and she makes a mean chicken pie. When I used to visit in the summer, I used to love staying in a double bed, what seven-year-old wouldn't. Now, the cottage has always made creaky and odd noises, which my granddad just said was the house settling. And I do believe that to be the case most of the time. There are, however, a few noises that you hear that I swear are footsteps from above in one of the upstairs rooms. You can hear them from below and you can hear them in the room during the night. I remember when I was younger, I said, if you are snowy, please let me know by knocking for me. And there were three knocks on the wall. I asked to repeat just to make sure and there were another three knocks. I then asked if he could please stop as I wanted to sleep. And the walking did stop. Since that visit, I choose to sleep in a different room and leave Snowy to his own devices in his old bedroom. But you can still hear the walking from below. The last story is not my own. It's what my cousin told me. When my nan and granddad had passed away, someone needed to look after the farmhouse that they had once lived in. The farmhouse was located in Chesham. The few times that I've been to the farm was when it was passed on to my uncle and I loved it. It was such a wide open space and very peaceful and traditional. However, when I stayed there for the night, it's located in an area with no streetlights. So once the lights go out, it's pitch black. You literally cannot see your hand in front of your face. So you can't help but feel isolated. When my grandparents had passed, my cousin said they would house sit. As young adults, they decided they'd have a few friends round and play some cards and have some drinks and stuff. He very clearly stated to me that they had not drunk until they were shit-faced. As most of them were driving home, it was a social one or maybe two. During the night, the group had two events they couldn't explain. In the dining room, where they were playing, all of them were sat around the table and then out of nowhere, a CD case was launched from the shelf it sat on into the wall on the other side of the room where it shattered on impact. The group of them were obviously freaked by it, but they were macho enough to ignore it. Then later on in the night, one of them left the group to use the toilet. My cousin stated that when he came back, he was white as a sheet. He refused to tell them what had happened in the bathroom and left soon after. And to this day, he refuses to speak about what happened to him. Whether it was paranormal or not, he has said he will never speak of it again and is physically scared when you bring it up. That's something I'd like to know. What did he see and why won't he talk about it? Hopefully he'll spill the beans one day. But for now, we can only wait a few things to say i can only presume that the bakery when it was operational was a good bakery because you know some some bakeries can be hit or miss whereas this one if he's gaining weight it must be a good bakery must be a good one (laughs) which is good to hear because there's nothing more disappointing than a bakery that's not good
I agree. There isn't. And considering it, they, they've oven burned, one can only presume that they were in high demand. Absolutely. Isn't that mad though? That part of the story, like I usually leave out the, the room descriptions in a story, but I thought that room, that oven room has been, had been burning from 1885. Yeah. I mean, how that, mad is that? Mad. And also if it was ever cold, you'd know where to go. Because if the oven's just continually burning, it'll be nice and snug. Really good point. You'd be like a little cat curled yeah. up in front of the fire. You'd just be in, in the oven room. <laughs> and the, the, poor, the poor family would be like, oh my God, that guy's here again. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, what do we do? Uh, I can't handle the face looking down from the from the flower loft or whatever it's called. Yeah, it sounds awful. Need a lot less of that in my life. I currently have zero of it. So even less than zero would be lovely. Um, also... I love the idea that this group of friends were macho enough to ignore a CD being thrown across the room. Always makes me laugh when people are able to compartmentalise that kind of activity. Because I feel like there's certain things that you can just ignore, like something falls off the wall or, you know, um, there's a knock or you hear footsteps or something like that. You can kind of rationalise that in your mind. A CD being launched across the room. Like, how did all of them just go, eh. Uh, but your brain goes into safety mode, doesn't it? Your brain just goes, I can't deal with this. So I'm not going to. We're just going to pretend it didn't happen and move on. Oh, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> I don't think your brain has a safety mode like that, though. Your brain is just panicking constantly, just screaming into the abyss. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be able to handle that. It's, it seems like the storyteller has got quite a fairly good control over spirit world because you know ask snowy to behave himself and snowy behaved himself told whatever was going on in the bakery to shut the fuck up and uh they shut the fuck up but i think it's probably just politeness except for the shut the fuck up one maybe it was a politeness in in the case of snowy and then fear in the case of <laughs> yeah. shouting at the ghost calling it twat and story number four comes from louise My husband and I were away at a small cottage in the Cotswolds for my birthday. It was before my son was born, so we're going back about six years ago, but we both remember our stay like it was yesterday. My husband was very cynical prior to our experience. We'd booked a small cottage for my birthday for four nights in the Cotswolds and we took our beautiful Staffordshire Bull Terrier, who has since passed away. We arrived at the cottage and it was tiny but fine for us. We walked straight from the road, through the front door, and into the living room. There was no footpath outside the house as it's a small village and we put our first feelings of unease down to the fact that the cottage was so close to the road, albeit a very quiet road. In the living room was a tiny TV, dining table for four people, and an open log burner fireplace. To the left of the room, stairs went up to the bedroom and bathroom, and straight ahead, was the small kitchen which led out into the garden. Oh, and did I forget to tell you that there was a cemetery across the road? The next part that I tell you was important, so please take note. The garden was kind of a diamond shape and there was no gate to enter. Other people's gardens backed straight onto all sides, there was no alleyways, etc. The first night, as I said, we felt very uneasy and we couldn't really understand why. Our dog would not relax despite us being on numerous holidays and him settling perfectly well. We were trying to relax. My husband had brought his games console with him and was playing that and I was watching a film on TV. Suddenly we heard two huge bangs at the back window in the kitchen which led into the garden. 
we instantly froze. Our usually vocal dog was creeping across the floor towards the kitchen, wanting to protect us but obviously not wanting to go. We heard a third bang and we had no choice but to check. There was nothing. Absolutely nothing there. We went through the possibilities of it being kids, but there was no way they could have climbed the garden fences in time and then got over the other gardens. We thought it could have been birds flying into the windows, but there were no injured birds, no feathers, no marks on the glass. There was nothing visible that could have caused such a loud bang. It sounded like a bang of anger or urgency. We couldn't explain it. We went to bed, but neither of us slept much. The next day we went out and tried to forget about it, but came home that evening and it wasn't possible. Again, we were trying to relax, but we kept hearing sweeping noises in the very same room. The floor was old flagstone tiles, so it sounded like something swishing. We also both kept getting the feeling that someone was walking into the room, but no one was there. No bangs this evening, but we went to bed with the lights on, still listening to the strange swishing noises downstairs. We were meant to be staying for four nights, but we decided to cut our trip short by two. Yes, we only lasted two nights. The morning that we decided to leave, my husband took our dog for a quick run so he would sleep in the car. I stayed and packed our stuff. As nothing had happened during the day and it was light throughout the house, I didn't feel uneasy. I was busy upstairs packing our stuff when I heard the front door open and the usual clicking sound of a dog's claws padding across the tiled floor. But there was something different about it. I called down to my husband and expected our dog to run up the stairs, but nothing. Nothing at all. The noises stopped, and because I thought nothing of it, I stood to go downstairs while glancing out the bedroom window to see my husband and our dog walking back towards the house. Needless to say, we were very happy to get home. A number of other experiences have happened in my life since then, but those are countless other stories. Very strange goings on in the Cotswold Cottage, which is a good bit of alliteration. The husband coming home with the dog, only not coming home with the dog, is very strange. Because it's a very familiar sound, isn't it? It's almost as if there was a ghost dog and a ghost owner, which makes it kind of spooky. Yeah, because you wouldn't even think twice about it if you were at home. If I was at home and I was expecting you home and the door opened and I heard footsteps, I wouldn't I wouldn't think twice about it because I'd be like, oh, Dan's home. Yeah, me too. Well, no, I would. I'd be worried. I'm worried even when I hear you coming and I know it's you, just in case it's a ghost. Yeah, very concerning around these parts. <laughs> Part of me wonders if living near a cemetery is more haunted than a cemetery itself in that, like, freshly laid to rest people spirits go wandering home and so they inevitably pass through your house i'm not entirely sure they're tethered to their body when they're buried you know well i mean i don't know i'm no i'm no paranormal (laughs) expert am i so i also have never been dead so i don't know that's what i was gonna say it's not really a paranormal thing it's more the fact that you're alive yeah so i can't but if i do die anytime soon i'll be sure to come back and let you know yeah, you'll be gutted if you have to walk back as well, won't you? I would be raging, yeah. Yeah. Really annoyed. <laughs> the other sounds are kind of creepy as well, the swishing and the... The banging on the window freaked me out. Yeah. I would hate that. That would really alarm me. 
it does happen every so often like it's true where a bird will fly into the window and it frightens the life out of you but you generally like she said there would be some evidence and why would it happen numerous times yeah and sometimes the birds flying into the window are quite rapid at getting flying off again yeah true it's happened a couple of times to me where i've actually watched the bird but then it's not like i've seen the bird fly into it so i know it's not anything else but then the bird has literally hit the window and then flown off somewhere else probably to die unfortunately probably probably just very embarrassed yeah (laughs) you know but it's the it's the successive knocking i think which makes it different doesn't it unless it's like i can't remember what film it is but unless it's like that film where all the crows were just flying into the house do you remember that alien thing uh yes it was an alien thing um i don't remember what it was called but you're right it was some sort of alien beacon yeah so i don't know how to describe but i know the film you're talking about unless it's that it's unlikely to be birds is it if it's like successive things sorry there's a massive bug crawling up the outside of our window it's huge which window (laughs) there did you see it fall down (laughs) so just for (laughs) i'm actually going to leave this in because for context uh, we're in the studio and we, we were looking out into our lit up house. And before we started recording, I turned to Dan and I said, can you imagine if you looked up into the window and you saw a shadow walking by and he got really cross at me? He was like, don't tell me things like that. So now he's edgily looking at the window every so often. But there is a giant bug also climbing up. And I think it must be on the inside. Cause oh, if it's a moth. Is it a moth? Yeah. Or maybe it's on the outside there. Maybe it's trying to get to the light. Maybe it is. Because it thinks it's the moon. Anyway, that's not good content. No, it's not good content. But that's <laughs> how riveting our lives are at the moment. We've got, there's a train going by right now. It's all happening. And uh, story number five comes from Corinne. When I was 14 years old, my parents bought a large Victorian house in a small town in central Utah and moved my younger brother and myself there. My older sister had stayed with a friend for a while. It was strange moving from a large city to a very small town. We went from having to wait five or ten minutes to make a right-hand turn to having to wait for the sheep and cows to be herded from one field to another. It was definitely a culture shock, but I learned to love it. My bedroom was up a long flight of wooden stairs and at the end of a balcony-type hallway at the back of the house. It was by itself. Shortly after we moved in, strange noises started happening and the door to my wardrobe and other doors in the house would open by themselves. At this time, I did not believe in ghosts or spirits. If I'm being honest, I was too afraid of them to give them much thought and so I chalked the noise up and the open doors to the house settling or country noises that I just wasn't used to yet. The first time I saw our ghost, I woke up in the middle of the night and she was standing at the foot of my bed. I was startled closed my eyes and when I opened them again she was gone. The first time it happened I thought it was a dream but then it started happening regularly. One time I walked in my room during the day and she was looking in my mirror. She was young, around 20 or so and she wore a long blue dress. She looked like she belonged in an Anne of Green Gables movie. She had disappeared before very long. We also had a boarded up door in our dining room that we saw her passing through every now and then. One time my mom and I started watching The Watcher in the Woods. About 20 minutes into it, the VCR and the TV shut off. We restarted the movie and the same thing happened. I thought it was maybe a problem with the tape, so I fast forwarded it a bit, but it shut itself off again. Thinking there was something wrong with the tape, we tried it in my friend's house where it worked just fine. 
I rather think that our ghost just didn't want to watch the movie and had turned it off. But we didn't try it again in our house. My sister moved into the house around six months after we did, and shortly after she had a baby. The next time I saw our ghost, she was standing over my nephew's crib. Now, as a fully grown adult, I'm five foot five and about 100 pounds, and I was absolutely terrified of that ghost. I should have been terrified then with her over the crib, but oddly I wasn't. She didn't feel threatening in any way, she was just gazing at him with the most tender expression on her face. After that, I saw her less and less often, but I'd hear her singing or humming very frequently. Not too long after that, I got married and moved away, and my parents moved shortly after I did. And we haven't seen or heard that ghost since. Well, you know, nice ending in a way, because the ghost is clearly not malevolent, but still very scary. Seen her on a couple of occasions, just staring, staring at herself, staring at the baby. Nice that it's a blue dress. I feel mm. like the black dressed or the white dressed ghost is is overdone, overhyped. overdone. Yeah, it's not Hollywoodized. Really, it's not very. Um, you know, I feel like this one's got a bit of her own style, which I appreciate. It must have been a good wardrobe day in the afterlife that yeah, day. Absolutely. Does make you wonder if you die, what you like, you come back as a ghost in what you died in. Yeah, or I'd love to like if you got to choose your ghost outfit, that'd be amazing. Like I'd look unreal. Yeah, but you'd also get, you'd also like want to change your outfit every time, and you couldn't do that. You just have to be stuck in it. Mm, also true. And also, I kind of hope it isn't. You don't come back wearing what you died in, because if you die naked, you'd have to be naked all the time, wouldn't you? What's that film? Stardust. We had this conversation recently, yeah. didn't they? Where all of the, all of the the potential kings all come back in the way they died. Yeah, and they're like li- some of them are livid because they're like smushed up and they have to come back smushed up. That's I, I enjoy that film. It's mm. a good film. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. I hope you get a little bit of choice. A little bit of leeway would be great. Although I'd probably spend the eternity of the afterlife trying to choose my outfit, so therefore would never get to haunt anybody and and be very annoyed about. It. Imagine if there was an angel stylist. Oh, who like you rocked job. up and like right you're going back to earth let me have a look let me see what you look like oh yep I'm feeling the green dress or like a bit of a queer eye but in the afterlife you yeah. know or you could you'd have to say to people so what is your intention when you go back do you want to fuck people up or do you want to be like a nice ghost who looks after children do you want to be or, a ghost that just stares yeah what, what, what vibe are we going for and then that's how you choose your outfit absolutely and that's why Stary Ghost got blue, because blue is what Stary Ghosts wear. And our final story today comes from Nora. When I was a senior in college, my roommates and I lived in an apartment on our campus that we were convinced was haunted. There were always weird noises, especially at night from the heater that other apartments didn't make. Additionally, I'd always feel something watching me and I felt uneasy in my room. My other roommates didn't feel it in their room, but my room was on the far side of the apartment on its own, while the other two were together on the other side. One time, I know I saw the door was moving on its own. I'd wake up often in the middle of the night and think I'd see or feel something in there. We decided to get a Ouija board and see if there really was a ghost. I'd never used one before and I didn't really believe in them, but now I do. My roommates and I got out the board, 
had candles around and all put our hands on the planchette. We had all promised not to move it, which I know maybe sounds silly, like obviously we could still move it. But we asked a question and nothing happened for about 30 seconds. And then it started moving so slowly over to the yes. I couldn't even move, I was in shock. It was scary, but mostly cool. We actually ended up having a whole conversation with the ghost, and he gave us his initials. I've forgotten them now, but I know the first one was D, and the year of his death was 1950. He told us he lived in our apartment and he was a professor at the school and died in the apartment. He wouldn't tell us how he died. We kept talking to him for a while until he spelled out bye. But the weirdest part was that all the noises that we'd heard all year just stopped. It was totally quiet. I tried to research in the old yearbooks and newspapers for this professor, but I never found them. So maybe he was pranking us, or I didn't look well enough. I always thought there were ghosts or spirits, but now I know for sure. That was my experience with Ouija boards. If you're going to follow suit after this story, please be careful and make sure you protect yourself in your apartment afterwards just in case. My roommate was very educated about it and that's the only reason we did it. And also later, other friends of mine were over and they wanted to do it as a joke. And it didn't work. So people have to believe and they have to be respectful to communicate with spirits and that's what I think. You know my feelings at this stage on using a Ouija board so I'm not going to go down that route. (laughs) However, it does open up the interesting question that maybe some spirits just want to chat. Because it almost feels like this guy was just waiting for someone to talk to him. Just to be heard. Just to be heard and then passed on. Which is which is quite nice. Also also quite sad. But But you know. but still like it is nice that he got his voice heard, he got to move on, all the weird stuff in their apartment stopped. Everybody's a winner. Yeah. And you see that I tend to think that, you know, perhaps you just couldn't find the professor because you didn't look with enough like there wasn't you oh, enough knowledge or enough whatever knowledge yeah. of what you were looking for but Zach Bagans would have definitely said because there was no evidence to the professor that this was a demon trying to trick you and yeah. you know that's not the case because it's left very true that is not however me saying that Ouija board's okay <laughs> you know I, uh, I as I'm sitting here I was going to get a, a Ouija board like um, artwork for the wall and I actually didn't because I knew you'd be really annoyed at me thank you even though I even though I was looking at like cute little artworks, you know. Nope. But I was like, oh, he's going to be really annoyed. Nope. It's bad enough that we have an embroidered planchette, which is very beautiful. See, I look at that as an embroidered ace. Oh, very nice. Because I refuse to believe that it's a planchette because it freaks me out too much if I think about it. Even though it's quite clearly got Ouija stitched into it. Yeah. I'm just going to pretend that it's not... If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can submit your own story to Podcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. We released a new YouTube video this week. Please make sure you go and check it out. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.